All right, welcome back to another episode of Creedal Catholic. Today, I'm very excited to welcome onto the show Chris Magruder. Chris is a Cradle Catholic who has been working in and around the Catholic Church for uh, most of her life, uh, having had her eyes open to Scripture in her 20s, thanks to actually her Protestant friends. So that's something that you and I would share in common, Chris. Um, and after that, she became motivated to, to learn why the Catholic Church believes what it does. She became involved in a ministry called Christ Renews His Parish, uh, which is devoted to helping people in parishes uh, center their lives around Christ and really rediscover their faith. She's been a wife of uh, a wife for almost 30 years, has three children. We were just having a conversation about all the wonderful things that her kids are doing now. It sounds like she did a great job raising them. Uh, and she led a pilgrimage to uh, Medjugorje recently. Uh, and through all of those things, her faith has grown a lot and become more alive. And one of the outgrowths of that was this wonderful film, a short film on YouTube called The Veil Removed that Chris has uh, been the executive producer of. The Veil Removed, if you want to check it out, go to theveilremoved, V-E-I-L.com, uh, theveilremoved.com, and you can click the link uh, to YouTube from there. As I'm looking at this talking right now on YouTube, the film has almost 1.3 million views since it was published seven months ago. So for a work of Catholic theology and uh, evangelism, that's a pretty remarkable feat. Uh, Chris, I thank you for doing this. I'm excited to talk to you about it, and I want to welcome you to Creedal Catholic. Well, hey, thank you. I appreciate being on. I will tell you, really exciting with um, looking at all of the analytics across Facebook and, and, you know, we're at over 7 million now. So it's, it's exciting. That all is fantastic. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not a, I'm generally not a Facebook person, so uh, I have not even seen it on Facebook, but I'm glad to know that it's there and making the rounds. There's at least one good thing on the Facebook uh, network. I, I take it. So that's yeah. good. Yeah, well, we, you know, our, our whole motivation was just to get people excited about what's really happening at the Holy Mass and, and, you know, getting people, you know, you hear so many times Mass is boring and it's like, no, it's not. Do you realize the time collapses and Jesus is literally there and you're at the foot of the cross and all the angels are there and all the saints are there and prayers that you want answered? Good time to ask. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you, you got, you're at the disposal of all those angels and saints to be asking and you're in the presence of Christ. So, it's pretty amazing. Never boring. <laughs> I think that's so well said. And you know that you made this film, which uh, when I'm on the, I'm on the veil removed.com right now, and it says, what is the veil removed? And you have a little about page. The veil removed is a short film that reveals the coming together of heaven and earth at mass as seen by saints and mystics revealed by scripture and in the catechism of the Catholic church. And then you further say that your mission is to increase participation and understanding of the Eucharist by igniting amazement through the miraculous beauty of the Catholic mass. I think that's a really succinct way of summarizing what you're trying to do here. I really appreciate it. And it's it's especially needed because I think we suffer, you know, Bishop Robert Barron talks about beige Catholicism, right? Just kind of like muting the truth of the Catholic Church, reducing it, watering it down, making it look not beautiful. I mean, if, if there's a if there's a color that uh, by itself, uh, you know, could be described as like the sort of absence of beauty, it'd probably be probably be beige. There's nothing about beige that sort of captures the imagination. And so when Bishop Barron talks about beige Catholicism, I think he's talking in part about this. We've watered down the truth of the faith so much that we don't get excited about them anymore. We forget what's really going on. Well, you know what? And honestly, and I don't think that people, I do not think that people were taught. I mean, I feel like my generation wasn't taught very well. We were kind of taught, you know, a bit of a, of a kumbaya gospel. And so we don't know. I mean, I didn't know till I started reading some of this stuff in the last six years. I didn't know that time collapses and that you're literally there at the foot of the cross. If you could see it, that Jesus is really there, that, you know, that all of the saints of the past and angels, we're, we're all together in time, you know, and joining 
heaven and what's happening in heaven. I mean, to me, that's just, that's amazing. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. So let me ask you about that. You said that you didn't really, you, you know, you haven't been taught, you hadn't been taught this growing up, et cetera. So how did you get to a point where you discovered this stuff? And then what made you want to pursue this project? So, um, actually this project, I think you said earlier was born out of uh, me leading a, med a trip to Medjugorje. I wasn't the leader. I just happened to be there. And, um, that led me to, um, developing a relationship with a, a lady who was there. And we, um, actually she asked me to be on a radio show called Catholic women. Now we do our own programming. And in our programming, um, I came across the lady named Catalina Rivas who has seen this and um, sees this at mass, and she has the stigmata. I mean, she has a lot of major gifts, but she's uh, still a living person. And she wrote about um, what she saw in mass and an experience she had one time. And after reading that booklet, we talked about that on one of our shows. And so after our radio show, we, w we went to mass at a noon mass um, just across the street from where our radio show was. And during the transubstantiation, I kind of had this memory. My spiritual director, I says, that's the best time to ask the Lord for something because he's there. And so at the transubstantiation, the priest lifted the host and said, this is my body. And so I said, Lord, if everybody knew this, if everybody could see how all the angels and saints are there, nobody would leave your church. They would understand. And I had an interlocution, which is not normal for me. <laughs> and I heard him say, then show them. And I kind of looked around like, who just said that to me? And I was surprised. And then it came to me again, show them what they would see if the veil was removed. And I knew immediately that we were supposed to put together, and I don't know how I knew this because I didn't have any more interlocution, but I just had kind of an inner knowledge of put together a three to five minute short film that shows what you would see if you could go into mass and see the veil removed. And I was like, whoa. So we left church that day. And as we're walking out, I'm, I'm telling my co-host what happened to me. And she said, Chris, I was praying for the same thing. So out of that, you know, just it was really cool. One miracle after another doors opened for us um, to put together this short film. And even that very first day that that um, idea the Lord put in, you know, to our hearts and minds, I had a picture in my head of somebody that we would be working with in film. Somehow I knew that he was um, a strong Catholic and I knew that he was not an amateur. And so it was interesting because my co-host said, what film studio should do you think will work with. And I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know anything about this kind of stuff. Um, but I told her, I said, I had a picture in my mind of somebody that we would work with. He's tall and he's young. And I know for some reason that he's Catholic and that he's really good at what he does. He's not an amateur. Well, one thing led to another and we ended up working with Spirit Juice Studios. And the first person that we met the first time we went into Spirit Juice Studios was a guy named Greg. And it was the guy who the Lord put in my mind that day. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty amazing. And we just had a lot of very special miracles, you know, along the way with just, you know, the fundraising and, and putting to, we have a prayer team that prays around the clock. Um, literally somebody prays at the top of every hour for this project. And we have about 65 people on our prayer team who are, who are praying every day for us. They're assigned an hour that they pray for us. And, and it's so, the, and that's truly how we've gotten this project done is all of their prayers. That's completely amazing. Uh, and I, I, will, I, so you mentioned how you selected the, the creative team, um, or how maybe God selected the creative team for you, or at least the, the, one of the head people who was doing the filming, how'd you go about rounding out the rest of the creative team? Did you just partner with Spiritual Studios to find people or did you find you exclusively Catholic actors or how did you go about doing that? 
No, and they weren't exclusively Catholic. It was really interesting how God brought people to that. I mean, we have a separate creative team that um, in Des Moines, you know, we do all sorts of things to, you know, marketing and fundraising and all sorts of stuff. But then we also, the team that put it together, the film studio, um, Spirit Juice Studios, and um, there's a the lead guy there, the executive producer is Rob Kesmarsik, and um, then Craig Krajewski. It was one of the other producers and they were the ones, they were amazing. Um, they, they put it, you know, they brought the actors together went through a casting director, of course, and everything, you know, had the costumes done. I mean, we really, we had to basically raise the money and, you know, kind of tell people about it and, and put some, you know, stuff together, not some stuff. We, we, we wrote a retreat, we wrote a study guide, we have a meditation guide. So we were doing things like that back at home while they were putting together the ideas of the film. We actually wrote the script and then brought it to them. And of course, the script went through probably three or four revisions, um, stayed pretty true to what it was originally. And um, which, of course, it would because the Lord, you know, pretty much wrote it for me in adoration one day. So, um, you know, not not hard to write the mass, but how it all would take place. But then Spirit Juice Studios took it and um, it was amazing. Some of the people that came together, there was a lady who I don't you know, you, you when you watch the short film, there's um, St. Kateri and St. Kateri appears, you know, above the altar with a lot of the other saints. Well, the lady that played that role that was her patron saint. That was somebody she was very devoted to. And the casting director did not know that when she hired her to play that role. Oh, wow. And there were stories like that all the way through. I mean, there was a guy named Angel and he was an angel. <laughs> That's and funny. He, yeah. And he had had an experience, a couple experiences when he was doing some film stuff and did not like what was going on in secular filming. So he said, he told the Lord, not going to do this anymore. You're going to have to find me jobs that I can trust kind of thing where I feel good about my faith. And then this job landed in his lap after that prayer. It, so, And there's lots of stories like that by these people that ended up being hired. And the casting directors didn't know those backstories, but well, it was I was really going to cool. ask, did you have any actors or actresses in the film who were not Catholic prior to this, who are you know, maybe become Catholic since then or, or considering it because of something that, that was that they realized through the experience of being on the project? You know, there was a lady who um, was not Catholic, didn't know she wasn't actually an actor. She was working behind the scenes and, you know, just it was really cool because the way the whole project unfolded on set. People were just so kind and patient and things when they seemed to be going awry, all of a sudden would just fall into place very peacefully. And this lady watched it all happen over three and a half days like that. And she went at the end of the project, she went up to one of the producers and said, I got to learn more about the Catholic faith. There's something different here. You know, so things like that did happen. And some of the actors and extras um, actually came from Des Moines and, and they would say a rosary when they were in the green room, you know, waiting to go on because there was a lot of waiting. Um, and I think a lot of them saw that and were all of a sudden they'd start sharing their stories, their faith stories, or they'd start sharing their lack of faith and wanting to know more. So, yeah, um, we didn't expect necessarily to do some of that um, evangelizing, but, you know, God always has plans that we don't. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I wonder, too, how many people who have seen it have had the same thoughts and have watched it not being Catholic and just thought there's something there's something deep here. We had a lady, well, we've had lots of beautiful comments, but we had one lady say, I'm 62 years old. Is it too late for me to become Catholic? Wow. You know, and so we're like, absolutely come home. You know, it was very exciting. Lots of people saying I've been away for a long time. I think it's time to go visit the Lord. I mean, all Yes, all sorts of quotes. And I'm actually, thank you, God, that these things are just coming out of my top of my head because they were powerful for me to read. 
to know how the Lord, you know, was using this project and not just in America, but around the world. I mean, we've had people making comments from China, Indonesia, Hong Kong, Germany, Ireland, Vietnam. I mean, you know, all over the world. And what's so cool about that is because the short film, you know, if you've been to mass, you know what's going on. So you don't have to know English. But um, because this film is, you know, obviously universal because Catholic Church is universal. We have um, just recently finished nine more translations. So we'll have a total of 10 languages with English um, that people will be able to watch it eventually. We're, We're now in the process of just getting those also put on YouTube so that um, Vietnamese and um, uh, I think Swahili, German, French, Italian, you know, there are nine on top of English. So I can't remember them all off the top of my head right now, though, Zach. Now, are you doing this uh, dubbing or with subtitles? Um, you know what? Some of it is dubbing, you know, where they just like the Spanish version, they, they just they actually had um, Spanish um, actors come in and speak. And they just changed it that way. But most of them are just, yeah, they're going to have um, the words will be right there on the screen in, in other languages. Subtitles. Cool. That's great. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You, you mentioned that, uh, you know, if you if you are Catholic, you know what's going on. And um, I, I think what you meant by that is, you know, the responses and you generally know what the words are, et cetera. But yes, I think you'd, that, you'd recognize. <laughs> right. right. But the the larger point, the whole reason behind this project is that you could be Catholic and really not know what's going on at the mass. Right. Oh my goodness. There are so many good Catholics. And I felt like I was a good Catholic. I mean, I, I wasn't anybody that ever missed Sunday mass ever in my life, not even when I went to college. And yet I had no clue. I had no clue um, that I understood truly that the Eucharist was the Eucharist. And I did believe that it was Jesus, but I didn't understand that idea of anamnesis, that idea that time breaks down. And literally we, it's like a time warp. We're literally there at the foot of the cross with Jesus. And you know, what a powerful time then for miracles to happen. And we have had um, people tell us different miracles once they understood how um, it, it, you know, what's really going on as far as, you know, Jesus is really there. They knew that the host really became the body and blood of Jesus, but they didn't really understand how all the angels and saints were there and the power that Jesus was literally there on the cross. And he's, and he's there in his glorified body, both. So with those, with that knowledge, we had actually one lady I told her when I was doing fundraising, I, you know, I told her some of that information and she came back to me nine months later and she said, remember when you shared that part that, you know, that's a powerful time to ask the Lord for something because he's there. And I said, absolutely. And she said, well, I started praying for my daughter to find a husband who was Catholic, who would bring her back to the Catholic church. And she said, Chris, she just got engaged to somebody who's a strong Catholic and she's going back to mass. And I went, I'm I'm getting chills just telling you this act. And, you know, and we've had stories like that. People tell us little stories of healing that happened after they went up to the Eucharist and and asked the Lord in faith to heal them. You know, I mean, when you receive the Eucharist, I had a lady who's a locutionist tell me this, that the Lord had told her this and told her to tell me that when we receive the Eucharist, Jesus physically gets into every cell of our body. So we can have physical healing. You know, some people think, oh, it's a spiritual healing. No, it's, it's physical. He gets into every cell of our body. It's just powerful. Yeah, I had a confessor um, say the same thing to me once, right? That, the, you know, the, it's, it's one of the beauties of our incarnational faith that by receiving and consuming the Eucharist physically, uh, it, it actually affects us physically as well. Now, of course, it's not a magic token. And so, oh, no. you know, yeah, you, you can, you can uh, receive the Eucharist and not be healed of your physical ailment. So that's not the claim, but 
Christ can and does act in the physical realm. It's not a mere spiritual reality, like like you just said, Chris. So, right. um, yeah. So let's walk through the film a little bit. Let me let me just sort of um, summarize it for my listeners. If you want to, listeners, you can go to the show notes and click the link there um, and watch this. Perhaps that might be helpful. You know, as we have this discussion, you could pause this this podcast and go watch the film. It's only seven seven minutes long. Um, but so we see this beautiful shot from a church. Was it shot in Chicago? It looks like Chicago. Yep. South Chicago at St. Paul Catholic Church. Perfect. So, yeah. So we're looking at this beautiful church in Chicago and then uh, and then we're on the interior and there's a young man who a young man and a young woman, not re- not related or not like together, but they're, they're kind of central to the film. And there looks like coming in sort of just as the mass is getting started. We go through the liturgy of the word. We hear the readings. There's a homily. And then we go into the the um, liturgy of the Eucharist. And, um, during this, we hear the words of consecration, um, the angels appear around the, uh, around the altar and sing the Sanctus, which is absolutely beautiful at the words of consecration above the altar is Jesus crucified on the cross and his blood is dripping into the, uh, into the chalice, which is just probably the most powerful moment of the film for me, Chris. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so basically, and, and that's, I mean, and then we see the, um, you know, the rest of the mass, at least highlights of it. But the important thing is one, it's a representation of the crucifixion and two, the angels and saints are surrounding the throne here, um, literally singing their praises to God. And it's a really powerful moment and everyone in the congregation is affected by it in, in similar, but different ways. Um, and it's a, it's a really striking reminder of what happens. So as we talk about that film there first, Chris, if I missed anything, please point it out. But I was going to ask you what your personal favorite part of the film is. I would agree with you. I think it's when um, the blood from Jesus falls off of his foot into the cup. I think that's just so powerful. Um, you know, but also the idea of all of the angels being there and the saints and, and, and everybody's reaction to, holy smokes, this is happening. You know, it's, it's real. And, and I think for me, it's, it's very powerful. That moment of the blood rolling off of Jesus foot into the cup as a reminder that it really is his blood. Um, and I, I just, I have to do a little side note, several, we, as we were going around fundraising, we had, uh, over 25 people telling us their stories of what they saw. And there was a lady who came up and, and I, we had written this in our script that the, you know, the blood would roll off the foot into the cup. And, um, I had a lady tell me, I've seen that I saw Jesus on the cross, but the difference is it wasn't one drop that went into the cup. Blood was pouring from his side into the cup and not one drop of his blood missed the cup. And I, and so to me, that was a confirmation of what was in the script was correct. And, and it was interesting because we had several stories like that, where people would tell us something and they hadn't seen it yet. But they would tell us, you know, things and we're like, oh, gosh, the script has already been written and that's in the script. And so for me, that was one of the most powerful parts. And I think one thing I'm just going to add a little thing that you may have not seen yet, Zach. And so many people have to see the short film three times before they'll recognize it. Or, oh, or I've pick seen it, it at least three times. So <laughs> there's a good chance I've seen it, but I'm eager to hear what you say. The, the souls of purgatory. Do you, have you noticed them? Yes. Yep. Yes. They're in front of the altar praying and, and receiving the graces of the Eucharist and praising the Lord as well. So we, we, you know, we sometimes forget the souls of purgatory are there with the heavenly angels and saints and us, you know, the church militants. So we're all there together. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, 
I think, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you is as an executive producer, I don't know how much you were involved in the, like in, in the details of the visual decisions here, but I have an interest in, in filmmaking, um, as kind of a side hobby. I'm not a filmmaker, but I just, I guess probably more accurate to say I have an interest in film criticism. And I'm wondering, you know, if you have any insight into how the decisions were made, right? Because, um, I love the film and it's not a criticism at all. Like, but, but certainly if, if I were behind the camera, I'd probably do things a little bit differently. Right. And again, it's not a criticism. Sure. This is art. So, sure. um, but I'm wondering, you know, how do you, how do you make certain decisions about how you represent angels or, I mean, even a, even a decision like, you know, do you represent this ad orientum or ad populum? Right. I mean, how do you make those decisions? Right. Um, honestly, <laughs> prayer. And when we would, and when there was a disagreement, they would take it to prayer. They have a chapel actually in their studio. And, you know, I would just be in adoration a lot. We had, you know, our prayer warriors, I would literally tap on the prayer warrior's shoulders and say, we need to figure some things out, pray for this. And, um, it would be really cool the way the answers would come to us. Um, it, it was, it was pretty amazing. We actually have, um, two people who have extremely powerful gifts of locution um, meaning that they hear the Lord's voice. And, um, so we would, you know, pray with them at times and, and say, you know, let's pray for this together. And they would get very clear answers. And at times I would ask three different people the same question and two of them would have, you know, the gift of locution and the answer would be the same from all three of them. It was really very powerful. Um, but you know, and some of it was just relying on the expertise of the filmmakers and they were all Catholic all of them. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I really trust mostly though, that the Holy spirit worked through all of their gifts and, and all of our prayers. Well, that's great. Well, I, I really love the final result. I think it's a beautiful job. I think another thing I wanted to ask you though, is where do you go from here? I mean, are there future projects planned or, or how are you going to turn this 7 million viewership into, uh, into people who are really excited about going to the mass. I mean, it might, it might be the answer is just that, you know, this is it, that you made a beautiful film and that's enough for the, for the Holy spirit to move people and inspire them, et cetera. But, uh, is there a, is there a movement afoot? Is there a, a follow through plan to help people reconnect with the mass and, and by extension, the whole Catholic church? Yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, Firstly, hopefully, you know, it, it's a seed planter, like you said. But then also we recognize that, you know, they can see this and go, whoa, cool, and still not even quite understand what they just saw. So we really believe that people need further learning. And we're hoping that people go to our website and go, I want to pick up that meditation guide. I want to, I want to bring this retreat to our parish. I want to, you know, the retreat to me, it starts out, the meditation guide is just very simple. Um, it's a 30 day meditation guide. You read, you know, two very small pages and, you know, they teach you some things about the Eucharist that you may not know. Some things you may know that things from different saints. Um, and, and that's, you know, just, that's just kind of, I would call it that first level. The second step would be to do, um, a study guide and the study guide was created, um, you know, with people like me in mind who go to mass, but they don't necessarily always understand everything. And, and it's written at a level that we're hoping all lay people will be able to understand. Of course, we've had it um, looked at by, you know, our spiritual director and, and different people to make sure, you know, our, um, the, uh, we have a sensor liberum who looked at it from our diocese to make sure we didn't have anything incorrect and that everything we're saying is correct. Um, and then we also have this retreat, like I was saying, and the retreat to me is really meaty. And it's for people who really want to dive deep 
and um, understand it. And we, we walk through the mass through a, a what's called, we call it a reflective retreat because most of it is silent, but there are some times of reflection in groups. Um, and, and it's pretty powerful, some of the things that we get into. And, and that would be a whole other podcast, but it it's pretty amazing how the Lord even put um, the reflective, or excuse me, the reflective retreat together. It's called Live the Mass. And so we're hoping that people will want to learn more and, and go to our website and find those things. Again, it's theveilremoved.com. But also, um, you know, you know, if, if we were in a place like South Korea or, you know, somewhere like Germany where they're not going to read or they don't know English or they likely a lot of them do know English. Um, but, you know, we would love for people to help us get some of these things translated into other languages eventually, because like you said, it, you do need to go further. I mean, the short film is is kind of its seed planter. It's supposed to get people excited and wanting more. And so that's what we hope people will do. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Um, I love that. Can you give me an idea of the resources required to produce a film like this? It doesn't look like it was cheaply done. It looks like it's very well made. And I can't imagine it was a cheap production. Right. Well, God bless Spirit Juice Studios because they gave us a bid and then waited two and a half years for us to raise that money. Um, so I will tell you, it was um, $310,500. That's what we raised. And then I know that um, Spirit Juice Studios, because they wanted to, you know, stick to what they told us was going to be the price, I know they ended up having to raise about 20000 more. So it wasn't done inexpensively. Yeah, you're right. But they also, they, I mean, they, they did as much as they could to keep the budget down. And there were people that were very generous with us to help us do that, too. Well, honestly, that's a little better than I thought, considering that you've reached 7 million people with this message for $310,000. Mm -hmm. That would be mm -hmm. you know, what we call a good return on investment. So right. um, so that's good, but it's also, that's not an insignificant amount. And so uh, in two and a half yeah, years of that, fundraising, I mean- I would say, I would say that's God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's God. <laughs> uh, I also wanted to ask you about, you mentioned this already in, in, as far as you know, sending your, uh, your retreat material to the diocese for review. Have you, I guess one, as a, as someone who's running a creative project like this, how do you, um, how do you make sure that you are, uh, staying in step with church teaching and two, have you had support from your diocese, from other dioceses? Uh, have you, have you seen opportunities where parishes can sponsor official viewings of the film, things like that? Yeah. Um, you know, from the very beginning, we knew that in order for us to even get funds, you know, that it was going to be people who were strong Catholics who believed in the Eucharist. And so we knew that we were going to have to stay in line with the church that, we, you know, we, we had to do everything by the book, obviously, and we wanted to. So um, we were working with our bishop, um, who is now not our bishop. We have a new bishop now, and we've been meeting with him. And um, they, they gave us guidance all the way through. At time, um, you know, at times our bishop was like, "Okay, let's step back. Let's look at some of this stuff," you know, and 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 so we we were under his guidance, and um, still are under the new bishop's guidance, actually. And you know that you have to do that if you really want to stay in line with what the Catholic Church says and and um, obey the magisterium. You have to do that, you know, and that's that's how God blesses us, I think. And through that. Um, it slowed us down at times because, you know, the church moves slowly because they, they want to be honest and true and do what God wants you to do. So that slowing us down at times allowed us to study more, to learn things, um, you know, and, and, and be patient with ourselves, but also be patient on realizing it's God's will and it's God's timing. 
And um, through that, one of the things that was so beautiful was, you know, there were times I'm like, Lord, people need this now. What are you doing? Why are we moving so slowly? And then as we came to the finish, you know, where we started filming and everything, we could see why, you know, all sorts of beautiful things happened at Spirit Juice Studios that needed time so that, you know, the film could be beautiful. And so, you know, you you just, you have to, one of the things I say is we have to wait on God as painful as it can be sometimes. um, It's, it's, it's all God's project. So we have to wait on him. And that means working with, you know, our, our uh, magisterium. Well, I'm really glad to hear that you guys were, were wise and mature about that because, you know, I think it can, it can be a little bit um, disastrous when Catholics forge ahead without deference to church authorities which is not, of mm-hmm. course, to say that church authorities are always and everywhere right, but God gave us the church for a reason. God gave us the bishops um, for a reason. And and we, of course, need to show proper deference to them um, when appropriate. So I, I'm really, I mean, I commend you for having the maturity to, to do that and having the patience because it does, it adds a, you know, what looks like or what appears to be a bureaucratic layer, but it's it's not mere bureaucracy, um, I think, if if, if uh, bishops and faithful are, are doing their respective parts. So that's good. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so I also wanted to ask you this one thing I love about this this film is that it does show the angels, the holy angels at mass. Um, I recently read a book called Christus Vincent by Bishop Athanasius Schneider, who's an auxiliary for the um, uh, for Astana in Kazakhstan, mm-hmm. and he has a whole chapter in there where he de- he th- that he devotes to the holy angels, and it's really caused me to rethink um, the a theology of angels. And uh, I think I think it's fair to say I have a sort of a, a nascent but growing devotion to the holy angels. And this is just such a remarkable gift that God has given us. So can you say a little bit more about that in the mass? I mean, one thing that Bishop Schneider talks about is how whenever he goes into a church, and this is something I've started doing as well, and I think it's, it's beautiful, is kneel to the tabernacle and say the Sanctus because the angels are always around the tabernacle singing the perpetual song of the Sanctus, holy, holy, holy Lord, God of mm. hosts. And and that's a beautiful reminder that they're there. And so I love doing that now whenever I go into a church. But can you say a little bit more to me about maybe what shaped the film's portrayal of angels or something that struck you or other members of the cast during the filming about the angels here? Because they, they play a very prominent role in the film. Mm-hmm. You know, um, aren't they beautiful? You're right. It's interesting because um, the the people who shared with me that they had seen angels, describe them the way that they describe them. A lot of them describe them as not necessarily female or male, um, it, but that they were strong and yet they were gentle like like a woman. You know what I mean? Um, and so that's kind of why they were portrayed the way they were portrayed. Some people, you know, wanted, you know, I had one lady say, I kind of just wanted to see some orbs of light. And I'm like, well, you know, most people in the Bible, especially, you know, they see somebody who takes human form when they see angels. So, you know, that, that was why we created them that way. And what's been really powerful about talking about angels with especially young kids, when I go to schools and talk about this, um, a lot of them, Zach, they don't know that they have a guardian angel. And so that's a powerful thing to tell them that, you know what, when that family at Sunday church brings up the gifts. Remember that part of the mass, the offertory, and they're all shaking their heads. And I say, well, your guardian angel takes up all of your prayers, all of your joys, all of your sadnesses right up behind that family. And so they offer up everything you have to give to God, right? As they bring up the gifts of bread and wine, they're bringing up all of your petitions and all of your joys and sadnesses and desires and and thanksgiving. So be sure to offer that. And I'll tell you what, these young kids especially sit up and they go, first of all, wait, what? I have a guardian angel. And then second of all, wow, 
God cares enough that he wants to hear what I have to say and that he loves me. And I, I get to do that. I get to tell my guardian angel to bring those gifts up to God for me. And, and it, it, I think makes it a little bit more personal, especially for the younger kids. Um, it does for me when I see a family bringing up the gifts, you know, now it's Sunday mass, I'm quick to say, oh, and guardian angel, please, you know, pray these petitions for me and be sure to send up my love. And, you know, and, and we can do that directly to the Lord. But it's a powerful thing to know that we have an angel that can do that on our behalf as well, who's right there in heaven with him. Yeah, absolutely. And I would encourage my listeners who are parents of young children to really emphasize the church's teaching on guardian angels, because as you mentioned, Chris, it's something that the kids love. It's also something, I mean, much like transubstantiation, I think it's, it's, it's more easily graspable for a young child. And so the, the younger you help your kids start, start meditating on these things and thinking about them. Um, mm. the more I think they'll be captivated by the truth of the teaching. And so it's really remarkable. I mean, um, you know, it's, it's, it can be something as simple as just helping your kids pray the angel of God, my guardian dear prayer, um, yes. every night yes. at bedtime, right. But reminding them that they have a guardian angel, someone who is doing the bidding of God. And, you know, another thing that you can do that I've started to do with my kids in mass is whenever we, whenever we are at the point where we're saying the sanctus, I lean down to my girls and say, okay, let's say it with our guardian angels. Ready? Um, and then we'll say it because we know that our guardian angels, of course, I mean, the thing that they most love to do is to give praise to God. And the, you know, the highest song of praise is the Sanctus in the mass. So, um, so, you know, and, and without, for me, without, um, putting, you know, in the beginning, I was just so amazed when this first project was start being put together. I was so amazed that all the angels are there. How do they fit into one church? Well, you know, that does, <laughs> it's a mystery. Um, and all the saints are there. Wow. And I had um, a former bishop remind me, he said, remember though, the mass is about Jesus. Keep the focus on Jesus. And so, you know, that was a good thing for me to remember because I, I was able, you know, at first I was kind of getting caught up in the coolness of the angels and the saints being there, but it, it's really about Jesus. And yet, I will tell you, Zach, in our um, retreat, one of the talks that one of the priests gives is on the angels and their powerful gift of the way they can help us love the Lord. Exactly. And, yeah. Um, our guardian angels. So, you know, it, it, we're all working in on this together. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I mean, even the, the angel of God prayer that I mentioned to light and guard and rule and guide, the angels are guiding us to Christ. And, and that's the beautiful thing about them, you know, just like devotion to the saints, uh, that, you know, a devotion to a saint that does not lead to Christ is a disordered devotion, right? And right. It, it's, it's ultimately a false devotion, but a true devotion to a saint, a true devotion to the holy angels will only point us to Christ. And so, yeah, it, it's a, it's a good point, Chris, and an important one. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. All right, Chris. Well, this has been great. One thing when we, while we end here, or as we end, I want to ask you as the executive producer of the Veil Removed, What's one thing that you want everyone who sees this to know? Let's, let's assume that, you know, the majority of your audience is someone who is perhaps a cradle Catholic, perhaps someone vaguely familiar with the Catholic mass, et cetera. But I think it's probably fair to say that the majority of your 7 million viewers are not, um, not, you know, very well catechized Catholics who are absolutely committed and, and, you know, believing of what, what it was going on at the mass. So what's the one thing that you want your say average viewer to understand or to know coming away from watching this seven minute film? Well, the Mass is the most powerful time of any time that's happening during our lives on earth. And so I say, go to Mass and take advantage of the loving the Lord and asking Him all of your most important petitions. Give Him your love when the priest lifts up the host because Jesus is really, truly there. That's beautiful. And Chris, I want to thank you for making the Veil Remove, which is a great tool for helping 
people understand what is going on at the mass. And to my listeners, if you do want to learn more, and I encourage you to go to theveilremove.com, the V-E-I-L removed.com. Chris, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, I'd love to stay in touch with you about future projects that you're involved in, because if they're anything like The Veil Removed, they're going to be really great. And I'm excited to see what fruits the Holy Spirit brings about from them. So thanks again for your work. And thanks for joining me on Creedal Catholic today. Thank you, Zach. God bless. To my listeners, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Creedal Catholic. You can reach me at Zach, Z-A-C, at creedalcatholic.com. If you have a question for Chris, send me a note. I'd be happy to pass it on to her and connect you. So uh, for me or for Chris, Zach, Z-A-C, at creedalcatholic.com. We'll be back next week. Until then, God bless you.